Chapel this morning. We're so glad that you could be here. Um, a couple of announcements to share with you as we begin our service. If you could open your bulletins with me, you can follow along. Um, first of all, there will be no prayer meeting or youth group tonight due to Father's Day. We encourage you to spend uh, this evening with your fathers. Um, the White Church is out today to help with medical expenses for Denise Headings Nolt. She is home with hospice. So the White Church is out in the foyer um, if the Lord leads you uh, to, to give to that today. VBS is July 17th through the 21st um, from 6 to 8.30 p.m. There is a sign-up sheet out in the bulletin board in the fellowship hall. If you are interested, we encourage you to see uh, Sarah English. She'll be able to give you a little bit more information uh, as far as what she is looking for and uh, what she needs. Let's open our service in the word of prayer this morning. Gracious God, we are so thankful that we are able to gather together this morning. Lord, we're thankful to live in America where we don't have to be afraid of people knocking down our doors. Lord, we ask that you would move this morning in this service. Father, that you would speak truth into our hearts, into our souls today. In Jesus' name, amen. Leonard's going to come and lead us in hymn 206, Faith of Our Fathers. Faith of our fathers living still In spite of dungeon fire and sword Oh, how our hearts be high with joy Whene'er we hear that glorious word Faith of our Faith of 
you to turn with me to hymn number 58. This is my father's world. <clears throat> I'm going to ask you to stand with me on this hymn and then remain standing for a greeting time. Hymn number 58. <coughs> This is my Father's world, and to my listening ears, all nature sings, and round me rings the music of the spheres. This is my Father's world, I rest me in the thought of rock. Thank you, and now turn around and greet someone and make them welcome.
All right, well, let me uh, draw your attention to our prayer ministry sheet. We do want to uh, bring a few folks before the Lord to, uh, this morning and update you on uh, some of these that have been updated. Um, Elsie Headings, she had rotator cuff surgery this week, um, doing well. Uh, surgery went well, so pray for a speedy recovery. Uh, Joyce Hoffman, uh, we failed to change uh, what it says here, it still states that she's over in Duncannon at the home. She's home now, home home, uh, here in Halifax home. So um, she's not in a home. So please make that note. Uh, someone asked me about that this morning. That was just uh, something that we, uh, we overlooked. Continue to pray for Denise. Um, we do have now a box, a uh, white church out in the foyer if you care to give toward medical expenses. So please uh, take advantage of that. And then also I see on here Emma Rose. Bill, where are you guys? They're, they're not here. I think this is still um, to take place. She's having a scope this Tuesday. Um, so pray uh, that this goes well and there's no problems. Again, that's an update. And then there's also an update here on Terry Weaver. Uh, this is Heidi Mace's father, and they've decided to do chemotherapy to reduce the tumor before they go in to remove it. So uh, I wanted to bring you up to date. These are updates uh, that you need to be aware of. Um, so let's come before the Lord now, and we'll bring these folks before him. Uh, father, we are thankful, a thankful people, for so many different things. Father, you're a great and awesome God, and Father, as we approach you, we're eternally grateful and thankful that you have loved us in the way that you do, enough so that, uh, Father, you would send Jesus into our world to become sin for us, that this one who knew no sin, Lord, might stand in our place, might shed his blood. And Father, for that, we thank you. Father, we thank you also that uh, you're a God who is able to do great and mighty miracles. Father, we've been looking in Sunday school at the great miracles that you have performed through the prophet Elisha. And Father, this morning we uh, studied that you raised a little boy back to life and, and gave him, Lord, life. Father, we know that nothing is impossible with you. We know that. We know, Lord, that there's nothing too hard for you to do. Father, and so as we come before you, we, we believe that. And so we pray, Lord, that you might touch Elsie now and touch uh, this shoulder, that she might recover quickly. We pray for Joyce at home, Lord. We pray that, Lord, you would keep her steady on her feet. Please do not allow her uh, to fall. Father, we pray that you might touch Denise as well. Father, we know the situation. We know what doctors are saying. And yet, Lord, we do pray that you might touch her in a special, special way. <coughs> we pray that on Tuesday that everything goes well with Emma. Father, we know all that she has been through. And then we pray for Heidi's father. And we pray that uh, this tumor might be reduced so that, Father, when they remove it, it would be easier to do such. Father, for the rest of the folks on this list, many, Lord, just many, 
who are going through some difficult times right now. Father, I thank you that we can call upon your name, that we can cast our care upon you, knowing how much you care and how much you love each of us. Father, we thank you for the fathers this morning. We thank you, Father, for each one. We know the job of a dad is not an easy one. Father, you've called him to be the head of the home. That's his role. That's what you said he's to do. He's to lead, he's to guide, he's to teach. So I pray that you might grant our dads great wisdom. Wisdom, Lord, in knowing how to train and admonish, how to discipline and how to guide children today. Lord, we live in a difficult world. Lord, we live in times unlike any other time. So I pray that you might protect our families, give strength and insight to our fathers. Again, we thank you for each one. Pray, Lord, that you would guide them as they guide their children. Father, I pray for this service. I pray, Lord, that you might help us to be able to remove from our minds the distractions of the world. Lord, there are so many. So many things go through our minds when we come to church. So many things, Lord, that cause us uh, to not focus on the things that are before us. But I pray, Lord, that you might help us now. Uh, may the Spirit of God have free course in our lives and be glorified. You're a great and wonderful God. It's good, Lord, to be able to be here today. This is your day. This is your place in which we have met. And so, Father, bless us, and may you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us? They continue to sing this morning.
so a mom one day <laughs> was asked by her children for a pet. And mom didn't want something very large, and so she suggested a hamster. And the kids were okay with that. But there was one condition. Mom said, if I get you a hamster, you must feed it, and you must care for it. Oh, the kids were, they were all excited. We'll do that, Mom. We'll certainly do that. So they get a hamster. And they named this hamster Danny. And little Danny uh, was a good little hamster. But it didn't take very long until Mom was doing all the taking care of. She was doing the feeding and everything else. And so she decided it's got to find a new home. They left their part of the bargain down, and so she started to make a few phone calls, and she found a good home for this hamster. Now she has to break the news to the children, but they remar took it remarkably well. One of the children said this. He said, well, he's been around so long, I'm really going to miss him. Another one of the children said, well, maybe if we fed him less, he wouldn't make such a big mess. But mom said, no, we have to get rid of him. So she sent them to go get Danny's cage. Go get Danny's cage. And they shouted. Did you say, Danny? We thought you said, Daddy. <laughs> you know, Father's Day doesn't seem to get all the hype that Mother's Day gets, does it? As a matter of fact, someone said Father's Day seems like a day set aside as someone's attempt of giving dads equal time. And one small boy said, Father's Day is just like Mother's Day, only you don't spend as much on the gift. You know, it is interesting that, <laughs> there's your gift, Dad. You know, it's interesting when we sit down as a planning team meeting and the thought that goes into a gift for mom trying to make each year a little different. When it comes to the agenda, and there's Father's Day, it's like Hershey bars. <laughs> so as you leave this morning, dads, pick up a Hershey bar before you go home. That seems to be something that everybody likes anyway as a father. So um, pick up a chocolate bar as you leave. Now this morning, what we want to do is this. We want to look at a father in the Bible. It's the father of the prodigal son. You know, we call that parable the parable of the prodigal son. When it, we ought to probably change it to include the love that this father had for the prodigal son. And so the story is about how this father dealt with his sons, plural, but it's also about how he dealt with himself when things just didn't go as he had planned. You know, families don't always turn out as you think they will. I know this morning there's probably not one father here who would not lay down his life for his children. But I also know that there's not one father here that has not blown it especially if children are older. 
You know, we fathers are far, far, far from perfect, aren't we? We're far from perfect. So take your Bibles, if you would, please, and turn to Luke chapter 15. Turn to Luke chapter 15. And in order to understand this parable, the story of the prodigal son, you, we, we, we need to understand context. I've said it before, context is so important. It's so important to know what surrounds the portion of Scripture you're looking at. So it's important for us to understand context when it comes to this story. So in Luke chapter 15, look at verses 1 and 2. It says, Now the tax collectors and the sinners, they were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they muttered, this man welcomes sinners, and he eats with them. Now, it's with that that Jesus begins to tell these stories. Here are tax collectors and sinners lumped together in a group. These were the notoriously evil people of the day. These were the dregs of society. And yet these were the very ones who were drawn to the teachings of Jesus. And what that did was it infuriated the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. These Pharisees would see these sinners and tax collectors being drawn to the teachings of Jesus. And they would, not outwardly, but among themselves, they would complain, and they would mutter, and they would say things like, here is this man, Jesus, and he welcomes sinners, and he actually eats with them. A sign of acceptance, a sign of approval. And what the story that Jesus is about to tell will show us is a contrast, a contrast between God's love and the exclusiveness of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were snobs. The Pharisees were uh, cliquish. The Pharisees, they, they never associated with anyone. The Pharisees were those who felt that they were better and more holy than anyone else. And so what Jesus is going to show in this story is the contrast between the love of our Heavenly Father and this exclusiveness of the Pharisees. Now that's the context. And then we have verse 3, and it says, Then Jesus told them this parable. Singular. One story but it's made up of three parts. One parable, but made up of three parts. And the parts are these. There will be a lost sheep that will be found. There will be a lost coin which will be found. Then there will be a lost son who will be found. It's all one story in three parts. And what we find in the Store the part, part three, that we want to focus on this morning is 
a father's love. The father in the story represents the love that our heavenly father has for us. So with the context before us, let's focus now on the third part of this story that begins in verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, and he set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to feed, to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. He came to his senses, and he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. What we see here in this opening part of this story is a godly father loves his son no matter what. A godly father loves his son no matter what. You know, I've never lost a sheep, but I remember when I was watching my two grandchildren, Mason six and Mila four, and we went to a store down in Harrisburg called BAM, Books and More. Well, there was a lot more in that store than just books. And in the back of the store were toys. And I took them to the back of the store, and Mason was looking in his section, and Mila was looking in her section, and I always have an eye on both of them. You know how you do that. You never let them out of your sight. At least I cannot let them out of my sight. And I'm watching Mason do something for a split second. And I turn and Mila's gone. You know the horrible panic that sets in when something like that happens. Mason, stay here, don't move. And I go and in what seemed like an eternity, here she was just over a little bit behind another shelf. A horrible panic sets in when we, when we lose or a child vanishes. But there's a different but very real panic when a grown child wanders morally or spiritually. The problem in this latter situation isn't that we don't know where they are. It's not that we don't know what they're doing. The problem is we do. And here is a father whose son comes to him one day and wants a share of the estate. Before dad is even dead, he wants to take his wealth. 
and he takes it to a far country and he squanders it in wild living. The son, he wants to break away from the nest. He wants to become his own man, his own boss. And the father gives in to this very foolish request. And we're tempted oftentimes to criticize dad in this story. But let me, let me remind you who the Father represents. The Father represents our Heavenly Father. And when we remember that, when we remember that, it helps us to see some wisdom in this Father's decision. He does set His Son free. Free, yes, even to make mistakes. That's one of the hardest things for parents to do, to allow their children to make mistakes. We want to protect. We want to guide. We want to teach. But then there comes that time when the rope that we use to hold them back needs to be released. And here a dad who probably knew what he wanted to do, this son, who knew why he needed the money, allowed him to go, set him free, gave him the money, knowing that he would make a mistake. But here's a dad who, who never stopped loving. Here's a dad who never stopped loving, even though this son came to him and wanted his estate. Uh, he never stopped loving. The prodigal goes, and the Bible says he squandered his wealth and wild living. He becomes penniless. And now there's this great famine that comes into the land, and he's hungry, and he's eating the food of the pigs. And then in verse 17, it says, he comes to his senses. He has that aha moment where all of a sudden he remembers how good it was back home. You know, sometimes kids, they grow up thinking, you know, if I can just get out of this house, it'll be so much better out there. Only to discover <laughs> it's awfully good back home. The grass isn't always greener out there. And here is this prodigal son who says, oh, if I could just be back home again. I know I'm not even worthy. I don't even want to be be a son anymore I, I would be willing to just be a servant in that house that is so much better than where I am right now and he decides to go back home not sure how dad's going to feel not sure if dad's even going to accept him back he doesn't know how his father's going to feel but this dad in the story he never gave up he never gave up on his son. He continued to love. He continued to believe that the home that he created, a home of love, would draw his son back again. The home he created, a home of love, would bring his son back. 
oftentimes there are strained relationships with children. Dads, don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. Don't ever stop believing that that relationship can be restored. The story continues in verse 20. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around his son and he kissed him. The son said to the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. A godly father receives his son no matter what. A godly father receives his son no matter what. Someone said there's no harder place to go than where you have failed. It must have been awfully hard for this son to decide to go home smelling like pigs, wearing the rags of failure, must have been the ultimate humiliation for him. And human nature would tell us that this father would be angry. This father would be ready to wring his son's neck. This father would be bitter, resentful. But what does the story say? In verse 20, it says, Dad was filled with, with compassion. You can almost imagine, you can almost picture this dad day after day after day just watching, just waiting, just praying that the son might come back ready at any moment to welcome him back. And finally, all the way down the road, he knew that stride anywhere. He sees his son, and he doesn't wait. Because he doesn't know why the son's coming back. He doesn't care. Is he coming back to ask for more money? He's not living in the past right now, this dad. This dad is living in the present. And the Bible says that he runs, and he embraces and he kisses his son, even before the son has a chance to say, Dad, I blew it. Dad, I have sinned against heaven, and I've sinned against you. God's love and compassion is like that of this dad. In the same way, God's love, it's, it's constant. It's patient. It's receiving it's welcoming. God is always waiting for his children to come back home after they've wandered. God is always ready and willing to receive them back into his arms. 
The Bible says in John, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and he's just. And he will forgive us our sins from all unrighteousness. This father was ready. This scene is just packed. <coughs> just packed with emotion. He runs. Not knowing why. He's not living in the past. He doesn't even know, want to know what took place for the time he's been away. He's living in the present right now. My son, he was lost. Now he's found. He was dead, and now he's alive. You know, when Paul defines love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you know, love is kind, love is patient. There's a description of love in there that it, it's kind of awfully hard to put your arms around. It says, love keeps no record of wrongs. Love doesn't bring up the past. Love doesn't say, I told you so. Remember back then? Love doesn't do that. Love lives in the present. And here's a father who didn't say, you blew it. You ought to be punished. There's a penalty involved. What does dad do? Dad throws a party. Dad decides to have this, this party. Now again, let me remind you of what is being said here. This parable that Jesus is telling us is describing our Heavenly Father's love. Our Heavenly Father's love. And it's the love that He has for sinners. It's the love that He has for wanderers. It's the love that He has for a prodigal son. And we as dads, we are to have this same kind of love. What, what big shoes to try and slip our feet into. It's so hard to read a story like this and come anywhere close to this Father's love in our real life. You know, for us, our children, they grow up and oftentimes they make some big mistakes. And we as dads, our first thought is, is to let them have it. I told you so. It's hard for us when kids have blown it to have this kind of unconditional love and receive them back. No matter what. Isn't that God's love? God receives you back into his arms no matter what. Being a father is a learning process. You know, none of us have it all figured out. None of us have this thing all figured out. You know that. You know that. You know what bothers me is when one parent looks and says, that parent ain't doing it right. None of you do it right at times. We all blow it. We all blow it. This is something that we learn as the children grow. But we look to our Heavenly Father, we see a love that is unconditional. That's where we start. We start with a love that says, no matter what, I will always love you. You might blow it, you might make mistakes, but you're always welcome. 
you're always welcome. Dad doesn't, at least not recorded, there's no punishment, there's no penalty. Just a celebration, just a big party. We're going to party. My son has just come back. Now, this is where you would think the story would end. Because the son has been found. The sheep, remember the sheep? In the first part, the sheep is lost, the sheep is found, story ends. Second part, coin is lost, coin is found, story ends. Now we come to the part in the story where the son is found, or son was lost, son now is found, story ends. No, it doesn't. Introduced is the older son. And this is the son that represents the Pharisee's attitude. This is why this story was written. Look at verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son, he's out in the field. And when he came near to the house, he heard the music, the dancing. And so he calls one of the servants and asks him, what was going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. Now, you would think the older brother would be elated. Verse 28, the older brother became angry and refused to go into the party. So his father went out and pleaded with him but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been staying, slaving for you, never disobeyed your orders, and yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The third point is this. A godly father rejoices over his son no matter what. Here comes the older son. He hears the music. He hears the partying going on. And he wants to find out why. Why? And the servant says, well, your son came home. Your brother came home. And your dad, he's, he's throwing this great party, this huge celebration. And it says that the older son became angry and he would not even go to the party. We can almost imagine, listen, we can almost imagine this older son saying, he, dad, he eats with sinners. Can't you hear him say that? That's what the Pharisees said at the beginning of the story. The Pharisees said, Jesus, he, he, he eats with sinners. You can almost hear this older son saying the same thing. 
dad, my dad, has just welcomed my brother, a prodigal, into his house, a sinner. And he threw a party, and he's eating with him. You see, this is the attitude of the Pharisees. The same attitude is seen in the older brother. Let me read something to you. This son, the older son, would rather not have fellowship with his father than accept his father's treatment of his brother. He will not accept someone who has been the companion of pigs and prostitutes. If that costs him fellowship with the father, so be it. The relevance of this to the context of Luke 15 is obvious. The Pharisees, they would not have fellowship with Jesus because of his treatment of people the Pharisees considered prodigals. So we find now here in the story the older brother with the same attitude as the Pharisees. What does the dad do? What does his father do? He goes to the older son. He tries to explain why he did what he did. He tries to help him understand how important it is to celebrate. Your brother has come home. He's been found. And then I believe in, the, in, the, in, in what is said here, he, he reaffirms his love and his dedication to his son. You've always been with me. Everything I have is yours. But we have to celebrate. I'm not canceling the party. We have to celebrate. I see again something that all dads need to know is that you cannot ever show favorites. Here is a father who had one who stayed home, one who left, but he loves them both the same. He loves them both the same. Dads, we can never treat children differently. We must love them unconditionally. Unconditionally. We had to celebrate, we read in verse 32. We had to celebrate and be glad. He is overjoyed that his son has come back home. It's hard to try and follow the example of, of, of this dad. It, it's hard to have that kind of unconditional love. To love no matter what. To receive. To rejoice no matter what. I came to the end of the story and I I was thinking about, you know, this day. This is Father's Day, and I think they're getting set up back there to get your chocolate bars into your hands. Um, but I, I thought, you know, what is it that a dad, what does a dad really want on Father's Day? As suggested in this story. As suggested in this story. What does, what does dad really, does he really want a chocolate bar? Yeah, <laughs> someone said yes. Do I have a two? Um, no, no, you do. But uh, uh, does he really want that new tie? Does he really want a subscription to 
the hunting and fishing magazine? Does dad want the new power tool or breakfast in bed? From this story, as I'm reading this story, I say to myself, what, what does a father really want? It seems to me that what fathers want their children to know is how much they love them. I know we don't have many children here this morning. They're all downstairs, but children, you need to know how much your dad loves you. I think fathers also want to know that their children are well. That their children are doing well. I can't imagine this father, you know, seeing and knowing what this son must be doing. Dads want to know their children are doing okay. And then finally, I think fathers want their children to know that they can always come home no matter what. Father, what we've just read is maybe not an easy thing to do. It's not easy to be a father. It's not easy for some here this morning who may have children who have wandered, strayed. Lord, that's tough. But help dad to love him anyway, no matter what. And we pray for our children. Lord, children struggle trying to find greener pastures oftentimes. I, I keep thinking of the older children, Lord, because that's what this story was about. We often think of young children, and we need to do that. But oh, this is a story about an older son. Now a dad had to deal with this. Father, help us to create our homes in such a way as to have a love that brings children back when they need to come back. So we pray for fathers this morning. This is their day. Give them wisdom, insight. Well, Lord, we none of us have this thing figured out. Boy, it'd be nice if we just knew all the right things to do at all the right times, but Lord, it's a learning process. But help us. Help us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Take your hymn books, if you would, please. Hymn number 349. Hymn number 349. May the mind of Christ my Savior live in me from day to day by his love and power controlling all I do and say. Let's sing this and we'll be dismissed. Let's stand together. Dads, don't forget your Hershey bars as you leave on your way out. <clears throat> May the mind of Christ my Savior Live in me from day to day By his love and power control oh.
I do and say. May the word of God dwell richly in my heart from hour to hour, so that all may I triumph only through his power. May the peace of God my Father rule my life and everything that I may be calm to comfort and sorrowing. May the love of Jesus as the waters of the sea, him exalting, self-abasing, this is victory. May his beauty rest upon as I seek to win the lost. May they forget the channel. Father, fill us with your love. Fill us with your love. That unconditional love that you have for each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles, if you've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies, if you're trying to fill the same old holes inside, there's a better life.